This is Wildfire, the B2B Under 30 podcast on MarketScale. Here, B2B's youngest stars share the ideas, concepts, and innovations that are catching fire in the fastest growing markets. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. The healthcare industry is one of the hardest to crack into as an emerging company, but at the same time is the space with the most opportunity. While regulations are strict and change is slow, the customer base for healthcare is, well, everyone. Ryan Copeland, co-founder of Health Wallet, saw this gap and decided to fill it with a company that addresses one of the biggest issues within the industry, lack of information when shopping for care. Ryan joins us on this healthcare episode of the Wildfire Podcast to detail what drew him to being a catalyst for this kind of change, how he turned epic L's into epic dubs, and what effect a younger generation has had on accessing and providing treatment. Ryan, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for coming on Wildfire. I'm excited to have our first health guest on the podcast. We've had a lot of people from the entertainment industry, from food and beverage, from we had someone who was uh, from NASA actually was a VR intern come on our podcast but now we're diving into the healthcare industry so congrats to you 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 are the first one awesome pioneers take the arrows yes exactly that's that's what I love to hear <laughs> being a self-starter <laughs> so we're gonna dive into several topics today um, but you know I really want to hear from you and your personal passions uh, about what drew you to wanting to simplify access for healthcare. Um, you know, how did you get into the health industry in the first place? And then once you were in there, what did you see that troubled you? And then you wanted to be that catalyst for change. Sure. So coming out of college, I started my career um, in the employee benefits consulting environment, and you know, over the course of the last probably five to 10 years, we've been, you know, really focusing on um, looking at alternative ways for organizations to, to create healthcare solutions for their employees that help to combat the, you know, ever increasing cost of healthcare. Um, and so coming out of that, you know, I'm, I'm currently a partner in a consulting firm and we, you know, we represented quite a few organizations that were providing employee benefits to their employees. And, and what we started to notice through kind of playing that role in the, in the supply chain, if you will, is that there's a clear lack of transparency, um, and accessibility to data that will allow individuals to, you know, potentially shop for healthcare. It really is, you know, kind of silly. I use this example quite a bit, but, um, you know, you go into Nordstrom and you pick up a pair of jeans and you touch them and you feel them and you put them on and you go, wow, these are great, but I can get them for 70 cents on the dollar at Nordstrom Rack, so I'm going there. Um, healthcare being predominantly the only service that we consume in the aggregate that we don't do any due diligence prior to. So, you know, with the increasing ability for people to use their smartphones um, to, you know, actively engage and shop for pretty much anything these days, we thought that it would have some relevance 
in you know allowing people to use the same mechanism to shop for healthcare. Yeah, I mean, I I'd say healthcare is probably a little more important, and uh, you'd want a little more due diligence than a pair of jeans. Well, the difference between the two is everybody, unfortunately, becomes a consumer of the healthcare system. <laughs> ultimately, right, right. Some some people can choose not to wear denim. They could. <laughs> right. So why do you feel like there's a lack in that transparency when shopping for healthcare? I feel like, I mean, you, you already mentioned it. Healthcare is such an important uh, part of everyone's life. Everyone is going to eventually have to shop for it, going to have to make it part of their life. Why isn't it easier to know what you're getting? Uh, well, the short answer to that question is it is an intentional um, deterrent because insurance companies, they consider their, their reimbursement schedules to the facilities as a proprietary trade secret. So they intentionally don't publish the price of procedures prior to that would allow you know, for individuals to really have the mechanism to be able to do that. And so uh, I think it's a combination of regulatory pressure, big lobbying efforts, uh, you know, total, utter confusion, and just kind of status quo. I mean, everybody, you know, when they think of healthcare, they don't really make the mental delineation between healthcare and health insurance. They're not the same thing. Um, insurance is just the, the financial risk transfer associated with, you know, healthcare cost. And so, everybody's been, you know, traditionally accustomed to, well, I pay for health insurance. So therefore, you know, less my deductible and out of pocket, it's covered. So my stewardship behavior is sort of irrelevant. Um, and that in a macroeconomic capacity is sort of perpetuating our ever increasing healthcare cost. It, it really is the catalyst for, for why, you know, the healthcare costs are rising. Um, but everybody really uses health insurance as the baseline for comparison when they're looking at historical and future cost. So when you approached wanting to start a healthcare company that was doing something like this, that was sort of battling that intentional um, misinformation, I guess you could say, uh, how, how difficult was that? Um, you know, what, kind of, what kind of challenges did you face just within uh, creating a company within the healthcare industry, but then specifically one that is hoping to give people more access to uh, healthcare data. So there, there's there's a lot of roadblocks and barriers to entry in that environment because you know, like we like we said, it's it's relatively intentional um, that that data is not available on the forefront because they don't publish their fee schedules. However. We had a, an interesting epiphany, um, and it was we can get access to that kind of data after the claim. And so, what we've been doing is is aggregating and farming all of this large data um, and using it to reverse engineer into a user experience that allows them to essentially shop for healthcare using what we felt to be the most relevant baseline for comparison because it was what somebody had just paid at that facility for that procedure. And so we kind of backed into it. There wasn't any uh, willingness to play in terms of, you know, letting us get the data from the carriers themselves. So we found the way to get it once it's been essentially released 
um, after these services have been rendered. You know, this was really a vertical integration sort of strategy with our other business because, you know, being an employee benefits consultant has become relatively commoditized in what they call the fully insured environment where people pay premium, the insurance company pay, pays the claims regardless of how the math works out. Well, you know, our consulting organization had some pretty exponential growth because we showed organizations how to flip that model on its head and look at partially self-insured um, benefit strategies. And so from there, you know, there's a much more direct correlation between employee health plan stewardship and the P&L of the business within the calendar year because they are the ones paying the claims. So what we saw through talking to all of our current employee benefits customers was there was a real application here, application being a pun loosely intended, <laughs> nice. um, for, for us to put the power back in the hands of the people, but to incentivize them economically to help perpetuate these cost containment efforts. So an example would really be if you give somebody the tool to shop for healthcare and they're going to make the conscious effort to go to a place that's more cost effective, then there's some economic incentive for them to do so at the employee benefit plan level. And so what that does is it creates a mutually beneficial environment for not only the business and the plan sponsor, but really the frontline catalyst of, of the way the claims run through the plan, which is the employees and the way in which they seek the care. So there's a couple of things that have changed from a regulatory perspective that has really allowed for us to find alternative ways to allow people to seek care that is very convenient and cost-effective as compared to status quo. So Health Wallet, it, it not only allows people to shop for healthcare, but it actually will allow you to talk directly to a doctor through the phone, through the mobile app, who can diagnose and prescribe for things that you would generally go to a primary care facility for. And so by doing that, you know, that reroutes a lot of traffic that would have been claims that hit the plan. And so we have, you know, our current um, customers who are providing health wallet as an employee benefit. What they're doing is, you know, they're, they're offering it to their employees for free on completely unlimited use. So they can talk to a doctor to their heart's content, not costing them anything, AKA the metaphorical carrot. And as they continue to do that and find out that it's, it's better for them from a cost perspective and a convenience perspective. It's also helping to save the employer considerable amounts of money. Um, because if that same individual goes to the urgent care for the migraine instead, it's going to hit the plan like an ER visit would. Yeah. So, so you've really seen a strong effect on businesses with Health Wallet, uh, an, an incentive for employers to provide it as part of a healthcare plan to um, to basically give their employees better access to healthcare, and I feel like that is instead of making the insurance plan something that's very structured and say, okay, this is where you're going to have to, uh, or this is the kind of care you're going to have to get. It's really putting the power back in the hands of the people, and it's it's interesting that's e that's even coming through 
on the business side of things that employers are giving their employees power and um, you know letting them take command over how they want to access their health. Definitely, and and really our environment that that we play in it was originally clearly business to business, um, doing consulting at the employer level. That's really where from an investment into health wallet, an organization can truly realize a material return on investment. And we built the backend analytics to be able to help to try and quantify what that is through the utilization of it from their employees. So did you find uh, difficulty in compiling, analyzing, and then redistributing the data within the healthcare industry for people using Health Wallet? Uh, I mean, especially just because the whole industry treats its data very uh, meticulously and puts a lot of guards over it, um, both for safety reasons and also, like you said, for very intentional um, insurance reasons. Did that feel like a challenge for you when you were trying to commoditize this data, basically? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely was the largest hurdle for us to overcome because yeah. we really, you know, wanted the data to be as relevant as possible. And so, you know, over time, um, you know, through reiteration after reiteration, um, we have, you know, successfully been able to do that and license that data from some select organizations that not not being in the business and really understanding you know what the supply chain really looks like you wouldn't traditionally think of the place that we get that data from as a outlet for us to procure that data um, but we kind of reverse engineered the workflow of the data and so um, we found a kind of non-traditional way to get our hands on that data in real time. And it's proven to be, you know, very accurate and successful so far. You know, turning that into a user experience that's relevant is not the hard part. Yeah. It's it's getting the data, you know, and, and being able to, to present it and sort through that large of an amount of data, you know, to present something that is extremely easy to use. Yeah, I mean, what a what a challenge! You really set yourself up for for a lot of hard work with this company, but I think it's really paying off, and it's um, solving a need for people uh, that you know I think has existed for a long time, and I think it really showcases you as a leader in the industry. And I want to know where do you see yourself taking Health Wallet in the future? You know, how do you uh, how do you want to be an example for a younger generation of entrepreneurs with the kinds of um, the kinds of projects and the kinds of companies that they can tackle? And I mean, like you, you basically set a standard for, hey, even health data isn't unaccessible and you can still take it, commoditize it, turn it into um, into an application for the people. So, yeah, what, what kind of example are you, are you trying to set for a younger generation of leaders and professionals? Well, I think that there, it's really a multifaceted answer because if it's just from a global um, entrepreneurial standpoint, or even just uh, you know a, a self-realization of of full capacity and potential perspective as well. I think it it really has to do with the first is it's never there's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur 
and to look at starting, you know, the the business or the solution or the product or whatever it may be that that you have your sights set on because the barrier to entry and the cost of capital and the scalability and all these things have consistently diminished as technology has gotten better and as you know everybody has really started to adopt um social media and things of that nature which i think really you know the common denominator is you you can't have paralysis through analysis i mean i've tried to start four to five companies in my time yeah some of which we took a epic l on but <laughs> it was it was a, a fantastic learning experience for me um you know so I, I guess really what i'm trying to say is is you got to go out and do it because everybody has great ideas but it's really in the execution and so it's not a you got to come out with your best service right out of the gate and it's an epic you know flop or not it's a consistent reiteration process and i think if people can reverse engineer the thought process when they're trying to create a solution and not create a solution that they really like but create one that all of their potential customers really like and they focus on that then they'll have a lot more success um you know there's a there's a pretty big emphasis for us on build ask build ask and luckily we had the other business and and we were able to pilot health wallet with our current customers and we were you know brutally honest with them in the sense that we were saying hey you know here's the first iteration of this if it sucks tell us and tell us what you would like and we'll go build it and through a couple rounds of you know getting hammered by our current customers we finally got to what we felt was was our go to market program and it's it's taken off you know quite a bit so point of all of that is you got to you got to just go for it and i think that there's a lot of people that you know they don't trust their gut enough to go with it but you know there's something powerful about your intuition um and you know i've i've tried to follow that my entire career so far yeah for sure and learning from the the epic l's and uh turning that into some some epic dubs that's that's the goal that's right baby that's the goal yes all right so we're gonna take a short break but when we come back we're gonna talk a little bit more about a younger generation affecting the healthcare industry and kind of some of the changes you've seen as uh as a young professional and young entrepreneur in the space, uh, and maybe some of the issues within the healthcare industry as to why it's tough to uh, really see change right out of the gate. So we'll be right back.
All right, so you've been out of college for a bit now, and you've seen, uh, you know, your generation, your graduates come through and put some impact on the space. Um, but relatively, uh, you and the rest of your class are still, um, still, I'd say, part of that younger generation of entrepreneurs and leaders within their industries. So what kind of things... Uh, do you think a younger generation is now seeking within the healthcare space? And then how do you think that a younger generation of leaders and entrepreneurs is trying to provide that? Like how, how do you think um, a young mind is maybe giving different kinds of context for this industry? Well, um, the industry as a whole is extremely antiquated. And so there's a lot of opportunity for disruption. Um, it's obviously a topic that's very forefront, um, but I'd say that, you know, really there's a very underserved need for fresh blood and innovation and strategy from the generation that we come from, which is accustomed to doing things mobily, efficiently, you know, seeking out the alternatives, not just following and doing what we're told we're supposed to in terms of consumerism and those sort of things. So I think that what the healthcare system's not ready for is millennial consumerism. I hate the millennial word, but we'll just use it as a descriptive adjective here. But, yeah. um, you know, their purchasing decision-making process is fundamentally different than to, you know, the last couple of generations prior. So, you know, I really think that there's a monster opportunity for technology application when it comes to healthcare delivery, as well as um, supply chain management and those sort of things. Because from the healthcare global perspective, the supply chain is really the, the most broken element. And if uh, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, and uh, Mr. Diamond's getting together to create a healthcare venture isn't telling enough, um, you know, this industry is primed for disruption. You know, I think that if I'm talking to a young entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur, you know, I would definitely tell them that the healthcare landscape is a huge blank canvas and luckily everybody who is living and breathing ultimately is your target market so um there's there's tons of opportunity for innovation and i think that the next wave of entrepreneurs that come through in this environment are going to be really following the same kind of track that we were which was how can we how can we create a Venn diagram where accessibility is one of the circles, convenience is one of the circles, and we're going to find the place in the middle that ultimately creates uh, efficiency and, and less inertia to, to change and, and healthcare stewardship. You know, there's a, there's a huge growing prevalence of, of people that are coming out of medical school, piles of debt, and there's not a lot of practitioner jobs available. Well, one of the, the epiphanies or one of the, the largest uh, catalysts for change in healthcare delivery is the telemedicine infrastructure, which is, you know, allowing patients to talk to their doctor via telephonic mediums. 
and not have to go all the way in and have to do all of these things. And, and so, you know, I, I feel like that's going to have a monster impact on, on healthcare delivery, supply chain and efficiency, the common denominator of which creates, you know, the, the cost of those services. Do you feel like um, the younger generation of healthcare consumers is also changing the way that providers need to think about getting it into their hands? Uh, do you feel like your generation and a bit younger are accessing healthcare differently or wanting to and uh, meeting a, a lot of roadblocks because the whole industry hasn't evolved much? Uh, I think it's a yes and no answer to that question because um, I know that there there is a growing prevalence of of people in our generation that are that are looking to do things more efficiently, you know, because time is our most valuable asset. Um, and I think that people are realizing that number one. And then, you know, there's a there is a a a pretty large awakening, at least from my perspective, on doing things proactively that may ultimately change the output of medical services necessary in, you know, in the future, later in our lifetime. I feel like there's, there's a, you know, a growing consciousness of, of what you put in your body, staying active, you know, at, at least as compared to the baby boomer generation, for instance, and those sort of things. I mean, one of the biggest problems that hasn't even ultimately been truly realized yet is, uh, what subsequent issues come from obesity and those sort of things. And so, you know, there's, there's a growing prevalence, I think, of people, you know, being a little bit more proactive in their healthcare maintenance. And I think that's going to pay dividends in the future. And probably, you know, from a macroeconomic perspective, um, shift a little bit of, where the majority of healthcare services are are rendered in terms of just volume. Do you feel like there's been an, an effect from mobile and social media on healthcare? Uh, I know that that might seem like, I mean, with, with mobile, I think the answer is probably yes. But with social media, I feel like that's uh, maybe two whole different worlds that are slowly starting to collide as seeing something like social media or just the aspect of connectivity uh, affecting a space like healthcare? Have you seen anything like that since you've been in there? Yeah. So, um, you know, healthcare is very regulated, clearly. Um, and and it, the, the conversation has a bit of political charge. Um, so, Unfortunately, the healthcare environment's been a little bit polarized, which I think is compounded from you know the social media visibility. Um, sure. However, from a from a beneficial perspective, I do think that there have become uh, to or or there's a lot of alternatives now to traditional health insurance and healthcare as we know it. Um, limited medical plans, minimum essential coverage plans, you know, those sort of things. And a lot of the visibility into alternative options was really unavailable um, traditionally because, you know, a lot of times it would really come just from insurance brokers and consultants, which is another fundamentally misaligned model because their percentage of what you spend, guys and gals, 
right? And so there's a growing prevalence of fee-based consultants. And then there's also a, a new method of procurement directly online for some of these alternative sort of services that are providing a little bit more variety and flavor. And I think that there's a lot more awareness of them now because, you know, the ones that are smart are using social and digital to expand their awareness of the alternative strategies available. There's, there's an interesting concept nowadays called direct primary care, where instead of paying for health insurance, you pay a membership fee monthly and they can render, you know, almost the entire continuum of care. You know, and it, it may be a facility-based sort of environment, not so much like an insurance network, but it's an alternative economic arrangement that still allows people to, to get the care that they need. Most people don't know that that exists, um, but they're becoming much more prevalent and, and people are using those mediums to deploy uh, awareness. That's so, so interesting is seeing how the healthcare industry is evolving in similar ways to other industries. I mean, everywhere you're seeing things, I think, get more commoditized and uh, become more accessible. Uh, just as we as a generation, as a world are becoming more connected and uh, are are finding that we can access information so quickly and so easily. And so we want our services to feel the same way. And I, I think healthcare was probably one of the industries that um, was going to struggle the most with something like that just because of the amount of regulatory jumps that you have to go through to uh, to really see a lot of change. Um, just Just because the kind of data and the kind of services provided are so sensitive and so important. That, that kind of leads me into my next point, which is, like we've both said, healthcare is um, is a difficult industry to crack into and to see change from. So while there has been a lot of change, do you feel like our younger generation hasn't really impacted the healthcare space to its full extent yet? And if so, how come? I think healthcare... Um being, you know, overly general, I can't say necessarily that our generation isn't participating in that environment because there's tons of kids in med school and there's, you know, there's a lot of different subcategories under the global universal title of healthcare. Um, the disruptor environment is very underserved. I think right now, a perfect example is, you know, where there's disruption, it's usually led by some sort of consulting institution of some sort. So I'll use that as a prime example. And, you know, that's, that was kind of the catalyst for us to really have the depth of understanding that we do um, into the healthcare system in a macro sort of capacity. The average age of, of a health insurance consultant, uh, I hate to call him a broker, but uh, is, you know, 55 years old and there is literally nobody to fill the gaps behind them. Um, you know, there's nothing sexy about insurance, but what we did was, you know, kind of the opposite of insurance. You know, we were helping companies find ways to look at self-insuring, which affords them much more flexibility and control. So point of all of that is I think that, um, you know, what I would do is I would look, you know, 
in that environment because I think that there's going to be a wealth of opportunity for people to not only fill the the necessary seats um, because it's going to be as if you know we essentially fell off the cliff in terms of uh, inventory and um, of qualified you know people coming through the system, but also um, you know there's clear opportunity for disruption because you know there's one thing that most organizations are frustrated about and it's the increasing cost of healthcare and if if you can come in something that has been traditionally commoditized and bring a fresh perspective and something that can provide more value then they'll start calling you and so you know that is a an environment that i think a lot of entrepreneurs stem out of and you know that that's the same thing that happened to me i mean that was my first path into entrepreneurship was starting our own firm to be fundamentally different than the traditional health insurance consultants where, you know, we do more of population health management than we do health insurance brokerage. And so, you know, being able to help control those supply chains gave us a ability to understand where there's clear opportunity for the entrepreneurial spirit to flourish. And I think that, you know, right now there's no better time to, to be a disruptor in a particular industry that's so widely consumed. Yeah, right. Like like you said, your canvas is nearly infinite for the kinds of people you can serve. So why not hop into it? That's right. Yeah. Well, okay. I feel like we've hit on everything for the podcast. So thank you so much for coming on and helping us better understand uh, the impact of a younger generation on the healthcare space and how you're really trying to lead the charge and be one of those main figures for for this next generation this next wave of healthcare treatment of um of empowering people to take hold of their of their own data and their own care so again thanks ryan for coming on the podcast yeah thanks for having me i really enjoyed it appreciate it very much and thank you everyone for listening to today's episode and if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. Today's featured song was Casio by Animals for Hands. If you like what you heard, you can listen to more of their music by clicking the link in the description on our site. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.